If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. And welcome to Anfield Index Extra. This is kind of post-match podcast thing, but it's obviously delayed, so I'll just call it the post-match fallout, shall we? Why not? Um, not the gaming reference for anyone who follows me on one up as well. So that got that got teased today, but um, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the Champions League final and the Champions League um, journey overall a bit, and some some other key issues that obviously came out. Um, <clears throat> from the final. Um, but to join, joining me to discuss the final in the Champions League is Cam Branch. How are you doing, Cam? Yeah, not bad, thanks. A uh, bit better after um, Saturday. Recovered. Uh, slowly but surely recovering from the brokenness of it all. <laughs> did the, the mad transfer reds help out? <laughs> it certainly did. It certainly <laughs> did. Yeah. And uh, joining me and Cam is Josh Williams, AI writer. How are you doing, Josh? Yeah, I'm good, mate, yeah. Good. Um, I, think, I think I'm over it now, myself. Good, good. So, just kicking off, I mean, Cam, I'll, I'll come with you. Obviously, before we get into the final, I mean, how good was our Champions League run? I mean, maybe we got a bit lucky with some of the draws and stuff like that, but Liverpool got to a Champions League final when we had no right to, didn't we? Yes, that's... That sums it up quite simply. I mean, in August when we started against Hoffenheim, and if you'd said to any Red, we'll be in a Champions League final on the 26th of the May 2018 playing Real Madrid in Kiev, they would have been like, fuck off. Who do you think you're kidding? We, we were never, ever going to be in the Champions League final. Never, ever. And But somehow, we were. And... We thoroughly deserve to be there. You know, let's not, uh, uh, make any bones about that. We were the best team, in my humble opinion, you know, uh, throughout the tournament. Um, so, uh, what can I say? You know, we got there on merit. We, we deserve to be there. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about what happened as we go through the pod now. Yeah, but I mean, before we get to the final, was there any like highlights for you personally, Cam? I know you went to a couple of the games, didn't you? <clears throat> yeah, I, I think I went to about four or five games in the end. Um, Man City game, that first half, and when that third goal went in, 
I just had, I was, I was with Nina in the cop and I, I had my head in my hands when the third goal went in. And folks all around me were just hitting me on the head, tapping me on the head because they could see <laughs> what, what I was going through. They were like, it was just utter shock and disbelief. And we had a couple of guys, it must have been four or five rows behind us, mm. but they weren't behind us. They were suddenly in front of us. <laughs> it, it was just, it was mental. It was an atmosphere, you know, that I've never experienced in my life. You know, you know, started off, you know, when we were welcoming the coach in and the whole experience of that day was, was just a, probably a small percentage of what was going on in Kiev throughout all the way up, mm. you know, to the final itself, you know, the, you know, kickoff itself and, throughout the game itself and so um yeah that, that was that was a magical moment but there were so many you know you can you can talk about the Emre Chang team goal we scored against Hoffenheim in the second leg in the return leg at Anfield you know that was a goal of pure pure beauty um the demolition of Porto away 5-0 the demolition of Spartak Moscow at home 7-0 um some of the goals we scored, some of the Salah goals. Salah, you know, Salah over all this season had just been a, a complete breath of fresh air for us. You know, I mean, he's taken. I feel he's take he's helped take our football to another level, oh, a level we've not experienced. And um, you know, as magical as thirteen fourteen was, and as close as we came to winning the league that year and scoring one hundred and one goals in the league, I I just think this team is gonna is slightly better, but will become much better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about the mad transfer reds, and you can see the indication of the summer is that we're going to be trying to get established talent, and that I think that's what 13-14 was missing. But yeah, Josh, coming to you, I mean, just your thoughts on the entire run. I mean, you, you joined me on some of the post-matches as well. We, we shared in some of the brilliant moments. Just your thoughts on the uh, the run to the final and any highlights that pop out for you? Yeah, it was just, um, we just gradually grew, grew as the time progressed. Um, I think gradually we just established ourselves as um, I think it was very similar to, to Dortmund a couple of years ago under Klopp in terms of, you know, they started off the tournament very um, underrated, let's say. And uh, gradually, with the goals that came with them and the performances and the fans and things like that, people started to really take notes. And I think we've really established ourselves this season as, um, you know, really making a comeback in terms of the whole club. Uh, you know, the fans, the, the, the passions back in the fan base. We've got a top manager again, building a real squad. We've got goals back in the team, and I, I do, I do. Looking back, I do think we were, we were probably, we probably had the best campaign out of any Champions League team. Although we did won it, I think a lot of the games they relied on, um, you know, luck and dirty tricks and things like that. Whereas most of our, most of our ties were over in the first leg mm. and in the groups. We dominated our group, although we, we somehow still needed a point in the final group game. But we just, you know, we scored the most goals over the course of the tournaments. I think only Real Madrid and Barcelona have bettered our, our tally in history of the competition. Yeah. So it was just, a, it was just a, a really enjoyable campaign. It was um, a proper Liverpool European campaign. We just seemed to feel a home in that competition, and we seemed to understand the competition, and were able to use Anfield. 
I think that that's a big that plays a big part in it, and that's why we've done so well in there in a competition historically because of how much a part how much of a part that plays. Um, yeah, it was just a, it was just a, a really enjoyable Champions League campaign, and it's been a long time since I've been able to say that. Mm. I mean, Josh, how old are you? Because do you do you remember the Rafa Benitez days, uh, European campaigns? Like I imagine Cameron remembers. <laughs> we talk about age <laughs> before we start recording. I mean, I, I obviously remember Istanbul and after that. But how how old are you, Josh? Is this, is this your first? Yeah, I'm... Successful <laughs> European one. No, no, I'm um, I'm 24. Ah, so, same as me, same as me. Okay. So, so I do I do remember the likes of Istanbul and yeah. the likes of uh, Athens two years later. But as you say, but back then I was still a kid, really. Mm-hmm. So although I do remember it, you don't you don't really you're not able to put into perspective at that age how big of an achievement it is to be in that position. So this was my first real time where I could actually realise. How big of an achievement it is for my club to yeah. to be in the Champions League final, especially can, when you, in comparison to the the European giants that were surrounded by you know all league champions, most of them have won their own leagues. Um, we were fourth in our league, and uh, you know our, our recent seasons have been very inconsistent in terms of being in and out of the Champions League. I think I saw a, a stat somewhere. I think our our past eight Champions League campaigns. I think we've reached the final in three of them. But yeah, I think that was Dan Kennedy who put that out, actually. Yeah, I think that it was might great. have been, yeah. But those eight campaigns stretch over a, a course of about maybe 10, 15 years. So it's, it, it is strange how, how we seem to come alive in this competition. But yeah, I, I do remember the, the recent years anyway, but the, this one's arguably meant the most to me. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But Cam, coming to you, I mean, obviously we said we were, we, we were pretty much kids when Rafa was going up. What? Mm-hmm. Why are we so romantic with the European Cup? I mean, see, it's the Europa League as well. I mean, first time in that after a while, or first proper run with a good manager in that, we get to the final as well. What? Why are we so romantic with European Cups? We've had this affinity with uh, Europe going back to. Bill Shankly, Bob Paisley days, I think. So mm. we, are, you know, we've we've always had a strong, um, what's the right word? History heritage in the European Cup. It, it's a competition that's, um, especially recently, has suited us because we don't have the best squad to be able to compete over 38 games mm. in the league. Whereas playing 12, 14 games, if you get to the final, um, Whatever number it is now, suits us better. It's a, it's a more compact competition. And because of that, I think, you know, Anfield on a European night, there's no better place in the world, honestly. Under the lights, it is, it's heaven on earth. And, um, we, the crowd helps lift the team on those nights. It really does. And, um, I think especially this year, um, and I think I've said it on a previous pod. The LA, LA, LA song has really, really lifted the whole place even more. And I think, you know, the connection between the fans this year and the team has been instrumental in helping us get to the final. Um, in previous years, we've had other songs, obviously, but I think this year, that's one of the reasons, you know, that has really, there's a, there's a great, uh, bond between the club. 
between all factions within the club right now. We're in a good place. We're in a happy place. And it, and it's nice to be, you know, be able to say we're part of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can put it better myself. It, it, it's just it's just weird how we seem to be perfectly set up for this tournament. I mean, we, we may not win it, but looking at previous Rafa Benitez, slightly more defensive, but he he could two he could two one his way to to any final unless we came up against Chelsea. Um, yeah. And then Jurgen Klopp just being able to blow away teams so easily it, it, it suits us down to a T. But lads, I'm 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 gonna put it off no longer. We're gonna to have to talk about the final, unfortunately. <laughs> Josh, coming to you, the first twenty, thirty minutes, obviously before Salah got injured, we were competing with one of the best squads in history of football, weren't we? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, on the in the build up to the match, I was probably more confident than the, confident than I should have been, to be honest. Um, I, as you know. I'm heavily focused on tactics and things like that. And I think anybody that's got any idea about tactics knows that we match up very well to them mm-hmm. in terms of how our system works, how their system works and things like that. So, and I've done a thread on it and Twitter got a good reaction and they wrote a piece on it. And I was very, I was very confident uh, just because of various things to do with how their system complements ours. And in the first 20, 30 minutes, it was going largely to plan. I thought maybe we'd have one or two slightly more clear-cut chances. But other than that, you know, we we, we was causing them problems. Their elite players, usually so composed, were making errors on the ball. You know, even the goalkeeper was just kicking it out into touch. Um, and you could tell they were trying to remain composed and they were trying to boss the situation. But they were still making errors. And um, I think Sergio Ramos, uh, as much as you can dislike the man, Mm-hmm. He does. Re- he does read the game very, very well. And I think he sensed that, and I think he sensed that we need some kind of maybe knock. And I don't think he intended to injure Salah, mm-hmm. but I think I think he intended to hurt him, as if like you know, maybe a Sunday league player would, would go straight his, through the, the opposing bit, yeah. striker. Yeah, as if I think it was more of like a, you know, listen, I'm here, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Just to let him know that he was in for a bit of a battle. And, you know, luckily enough, he ended up going off injured. And that completely changed the game because our system then completely changes. Yeah. Real Madrid are able to play more adventurously. Marcelo was able to push on because the threat's not behind him. And Lallana doesn't offer anywhere near the same game Salah does. Especially in terms of how we play. Everything we do is to do with, you know, forcing turnovers and transitioning quickly. Getting straight onto them. While, while they're in their attacking shape. And the line is obviously a considerably slower player. Yeah. Much le- he's much less sharp. Um, he's less of a threat in behind. If you compare the line and Salah in a counter attack, Salah's obviously offering more in every aspect. He's also more of a goal threat. So it just completely changed the game. <clears throat> and so- uh, it's, it's sad. Would um, would Lallana have been your first choice sub? I mean, I think we had Solanke, Moreno, they're probably the only two, and Chan, but he, going off when he actually came on, he may have only had 10, 15 minutes in his leg. So do, do you think Lallana was the right sub? I mean, we can easily talk in hindsight now, but that pace and that directness that Salah has, do, do you think Lallana was the one? Because as you, as you basically said there, it's polar opposites type of player, aren't they? The polar opposites, but... 
if you if you do look at our bench, we we had virtually nothing. You know, we that 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 was the main difference on the night. The fact that yeah. Real Madrid were able to bring on Gareth Bale, Marco Asensio, you know, proper elite players that would get in virtually every team in Europe, and that that was the difference. But um, I think the reason he went for Lallana is because obviously, if we, if we do get quick transition opportunities, you need to be able to think fast and you need to be able to play fast, you know, good with interplay and that sort of thing. So I think he's went for Alane because he probably offers the most quality in terms of attacking positions than any other player on the bench. But in terms of sticking to our game plan and how we play and how we beat teams, probably someone like Moreno would have been more suited, to be honest, mm-hmm. because he, he offers that pace. He can offer penetration if he's asked to do it. I saw Klopp say in, in a few quotes or something that he's the best shooter in the squad. Mm. I don't know if it was a joke or not, but, you know, I find it hard to believe. He's got, he's got but, that worldy goal in training, like, the day after he said it as well. <laughs> yeah, but, it, it, I mean, if you put if you put Moreno in for Salah, you're getting nowhere near the quality. But Moreno can play. He's quite technically good. He's very fast. So he's probably a similar profile of player. Even if you've got Chamberlain playing, you yeah. could have brought on someone like Emery Chan or maybe Wijnaldum who would have been on the bench and move our Clay Chamberlain forward. But that that's that's one of the real grievances I think I've got with the game. I, I feel like Real Madrid have beat a Liverpool side that didn't get to the final. I feel like the yeah. team that got us to the final, Real Madrid didn't face, or they did so for 25 minutes and struggled. So that that it's it's disappointing. Yeah, Cam, coming to you, I mean, just just build on what Josh said there. Obviously, mentioned Demir Chani probably would have started if, obviously, if he wasn't fit for two, three months. Um, he's probably in our first choice midfield. Chamberlain probably would have started if Saladin get injured. I mean, it, it's all what ifs, but the difference between our team that we saw on on Saturday and the and the first team that we had, it, it's completely dynamic, especially in midfield where you've you've now introduced two people who can dribble on the ball. Salah is obviously our threat. So if if we had everyone fit, how how differently would the game have been, in your opinion? We'd have won. I think if we'd had our strongest 11 out, which would have been Emre Chan and Ox in the midfield with probably Hendo as the, as the six, I'm, I'm, I would have been even more super confident and I would have thought, would have thought we would have won. Quite, quite comfortable. Go on, not maybe quite comfortably, but I, I felt we would have won the game. Um, I was quite confident before the game that we would win. So, um, you know, the dynamic of the game obviously changed with uh, Salah going off and the introduction of Lalana. And I felt the mistake there was playing Lalana in a front three. I would have moved him back into midfield and I would have moved uh, Ginny or uh, Milner wide right. Um, and that we may have just got away with that, but mm-hmm. um, not having uh, Ox and um, and Emre Chan, uh, which are, which are more attacking threats for us because they, you know, they're stronger, they're more powerful. They both like to, they both got a good shot on. They're more direct than what you're going to get with uh, Ginny and Milner. You know, that's a big loss for us. So, um, yeah, definitely we, we would have been a, a much stronger team and would have had much more of a chance of beating Madrid if we'd had a, our strongest first 11 out for sure. Because 
that that first eleven is what got us to the final, what made us the team we were throughout the whole of this campaign. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely would have been a, a much different proposition for Madrid um, with a a full first eleven. That's for sure. Can I just say I I don't that 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 team that played the remaining seventy minutes. I don't think that team would have even been City. That team wouldn't no. have beat Roma. No, no. Yeah, I think I so. To to expect it to beat Real Madrid in a final, we would have needed a tremendous amount of luck. I think we done well to even score, to be honest. Because when you look at the team, it's just it it turned into not a club team. I mean, if you look at the front six mm. from them seventy yeah. from the thirty minutes onwards, you got Milner, Henderson, Wijnaldum. Lallana, Firmino, Mane. You got one player there who's fast. One player there who can run in behind. One player there who's going to be maybe causing problems for Real Madrid in terms of speed. And everything Klopp does is about energy, movement, speed. So it, it, we were going to, we, were, we needed a medical really, and uh, you know, unfortunately, it, it didn't happen. No, it's a good point there. I mean, it kind of transformed back into our 15-16 team, didn't it? Where it was only. It was basically only Danny Sturridge and Origi who, could, who had a bit of, well, yeah. pace and quick thinking about him. Uh, now, all the pressure went on Mane. He obviously moved over to the to our right to kind of hopefully pin Marcelo back, which obviously didn't work, which we'll get to. Um, and then um, later in the first half, they get their own injury scare, obviously. I mean, it would have been great if one of their be- their best players got injured, but no, instead they got the right back injured and brought on another one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we obviously saw Nacho come on for Carvajal. Uh, Josh, coming to you. Um, again, hindsight and all that jazz, but would you have rather... Mane stuck on the left and had a go, had a go at, Nat, uh, at Nacho. I think he's a natural centre back, but obviously played right back quite a bit because he struggles for minutes. But may, maybe that was a better avenue for us to score goals rather than pin back Marcelo. Yeah, I think that's that's probably what I would have done. I mean, I can I can see why Klopp moved them over because mm-hmm, right. if you if you if you've got um, Mane playing on the right hand side, then Marcelo's thinking twice then about going forward. And if you nullify Marcelo, you're doing a lot to nullify Real Madrid's overall attack. Mm. Um, and obviously on their, on Madrid's right hand side, where they would have had Nacho playing right back, although he's nowhere near as good as Carvajal. Because of that, I very much doubt he will have got instructions to push on. So very rarely will Mane probably have got the opportunity to get in behind him. Um, so you know, as you say, hindsight's you know, allows a different perspective, but whether we played Mane on the left or the right, I still don't think we could have won the game, if honest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It would have, it would have took a miracle, as, as we've been saying, but um, the first half kind of just fizzles out. I mean, I think both injuries kind of took it out of both teams, and it was kind of, I think from a Liverpool point of view, we were obviously very deflated. I mean, I, I, I'd probably say I was a bit defeated as soon as Salah went off. I mean, as soon, as soon as he went off, I was thinking, this probably isn't going to end well. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll move on to the second half when everything, well, went wrong. <laughs> um, but Cam, coming to you, I mean, Real Madrid score through a horrendous error in the in the fifty first minute from Carius. I'm being. Have you ever seen anything like it, Cam? No. I mean, I've seen 
keepers. Oh, we've seen the ball going off a player when the keepers kicked it, or I'm not sure about throwing it, but I think the rule has changed now that you can't you can't uh, intercept a ball that's being kicked by a keeper mm. like that, can you? No. There, there's a there's a rule change, and that's what they sort of that's what Carrick's was turning around and complaining about. You know, it was a complete brain freeze moment, um, and it's it was a it was a terrible terrible mistake. And I've been one of the biggest defenders of Carrius since he's come back into the team. You know, I felt he's done. I felt he's been instrumental as well in helping us get to the Champions League final and you know securing top four. Uh, along obviously he came back in along with Van Dyke when Van Dyke was signed. So. There was obviously a plan to bring bring him in with Van Dyke, and you know, our def- our, to be fair, our defense has looked a lot more stable, calmer, and secure with him in the team. But I don't see how he could come back from that in a Liverpool shirt. I really don't. Uh, I I would be very surprised if uh, um, he started the season in August for us. Um, it was. I, <laughs> There's, words are hard to express, you know, how terrible it was what he'd done. Mm. You know, it was, it's, probably is the worst thing I've seen. It's the worst thing I've ever seen a Liverpool goalkeeper do. Let's put it that way. And in the Champions League final, that's, that just magnif- you know, magnifies it even more, doesn't it? Yeah, I, so, mean, I think we've seen every keeper we've well, every keeper I've had in my <laughs> lifetime done done dumb shit. I mean, we've had the beach ball incident, Simon Minula every, every other week. <laughs> um, every other week. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the fact that it's a Champions League final, it, it, it must be such a it it it, it potentially career ending or a club ending, um, as you said. But Josh. Um, Obviously, Carrius has been a, a hot topic of debate in the AI writers uh, WhatsApp group ever since we kind of got him and he regained his first team place and all that. I can't remember which side of the fence you sit on, but can he come back from this, whether it's as Liverpool's number two or number one? I know we've obviously been linked with every goalkeeper who's worth more than 50 million <laughs> in the world. Um, but what what do you think is long-term prospects are for Liverpool? Do you think it's best if we part ways, uh, rehabilitate him, or just go go all out for a goalkeeper now? I think in, in terms of which side of the fence that I was on, certainly when he came back in, in around February time, I think it was maybe Christmas or something like that, I was firmly on the against side. Mm. I, I wasn't a fan of him. I think I may be my opinion clear in the in the group chat and things like that. I, I, people were pointing out that he needs a chance and he deserves this and he deserves that. And I was like, he might deserve it, but he has already shown shown me that he is not a good enough goalkeeper for Liverpool. Um, I done a thread on it on Twitter with videos and I got slated for it. And I done a tweet, I done a piece on a fair field index. It's called the Critical Look at Carriers, I think, and. Um, it was me basically being overly harsh, or not overly harsh, but overly critical on his game. I was really, really delving into his game, his kicking technique, and um, how quickly he distributes some his decision making at times and positioning and things like that. And um, to be honest, 
one of the reasons I wrote the piece was because I felt like I wrote the piece after the Spurs game when he saved the penalty and he put in quite a good performance. But I wrote yeah. the piece after that because I felt like, although we played well, I felt like we was kind of settling for mediocrity because in comparison to Mignolet, he looks good. But in reality, is he good enough? And is he going to win you games on his own and that kind of thing? And if I'm being honest, since I wrote that, he's surprised me. And he's been... um He's been more consistent than I expected. Up until, of all games, the Champions League final. And there's been, there's been several games up until that point as well, where he's maybe, he's had a shot hit at him, maybe a difficult shot, difficult angle, things like that. And I've maybe expected him to, to fumble it or drop okay. it, and he hasn't, and he, he hasn't. He's been, as I said, he's been, um, to my surprise, consistent. Hasn't really made any errors at all. I don't think he's made an error that's directly led to a goal, in fact. And in the Champions League final, I, I don't know what it was. It's just Maybe it was the early elbow off, off Ramos or the intimidation or something like that. I'm not sure. But to, to make a mistake of, at, at such a huge time in the game, I think we were, we were really... I don't know why we were still in the unknown at that point, having lost Salah and you know, not having Ox in the team and things like that. Um, um, you know, I think it really deflated us conceding the first goal. I said to numerous people before the game, even with Salah on the pitch, I think it was vital that we scored that first goal. Even more so with Salah off the pitch. And once we conceded that, you know, in, in such a manner as well, that is really deflating. And our whole game is built on energy and motivation and pressing. And if you're conceding goals like that, against someone like Real Madrid, you're naturally going to just be a bit demotivated. And I just think that's what happened and it ultimately settled the rest of the game for me. I think there's a... Somebody's done a piece, uh, a, a little piece on Carrier uh, since he's come back in the team. It's not a written piece, it's just a... I think it might be Alex uh, Mansfield who contributes on the AI channel as well. Mm-hmm. And the number of saves he's made nil-nil is really high. You know, really important saves. The number of saves when we're 1-0 up or 2-1 up has been really high as well. So he's he since he's come back in, he has been making crucial saves. But there has been the odd game where I've noticed he's, not, he's sort of got away with something here or got away with something there. So he hasn't been, you know, totally brilliant. He hasn't been a world beater. He's not you know, suddenly become a David De Gea or um, Alisson or a, an Oblak or a Manuel Neuer. But he he's certainly been a step in the right direction as to where we wanted to go as a team because he is that he is that keeper that Klopp wants who who helps with the fast game that we're trying to trying to implement. And that's what was was then becoming good about him. I felt because he was helping with the with the speed of our game. Because that's one of his traits, release the ball quickly. If you going back to that Spurs game, I think it was, he made a save, he was still on the floor and he released the ball. He wanted to get the ball out quickly to our our players. The mistake was, and this is probably where my second point is, I've I retweeted a piece by uh, Matthew Said of the Times earlier. And he reckons um he it was a sports uh psychology it was a done on like a psych uh 
What's the word I'm looking for here? Psychological oh, yeah. point Psych- of view. Psycholo- that's the one. Thank you. So, uh, <laughs> big words, they elude me. Um, <laughs> and he's saying um, he reckons he was over-focused. And sometimes when you're over-focused, you, you, you miss things. You, you, you're, you, you almost get tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. And, he rec- and they reckon almost at that point, even though Benzema is like six foot one, he didn't realise he was there almost, even though he knew he was there, because he was so intent and so focused on releasing that ball and getting it out to Lovren. He just, he didn't. And the example they gave was, um, they uh, had a police situation where the police would hear a shooting and they would charge down this corridor to go to where they heard the shots from. But what the policeman didn't realise was that the floor was full of IEDs and pipe bombs and they're completely mm. ignoring that they're running over these things because all they're seeing all they're hearing and all their mind is focused on is where's that where's that gunfire coming from mm. and that's the probably not a great comparison maybe it is a great comparison but they almost think that's where Karius was in that moment now I'm not doesn't excuse what he did unfortunately yeah. and for me personally I think if we can get a better keeper in and it has to be an elite level keeper. It can't be another, it can't be a sideways step from Carrius now. Because if you're just going to go sideways, I'd rather stick with Carrius. Yeah, I think that that's my view on as well. I didn't answer it earlier, did I? When, when you asked me, should we upgrade or not? Mm-hmm. I think in, in terms of Carrius, I, for me, if, if we are willing to pay the fee for Alison or Oblak, do it. That's, that's my view. And, if Car- only Klopp will know whether Carrius is stable enough to be, say, for example, a number two, or whether Carrius is past the point of no return and has to leave and Danny Ward gets promoted to a number two. But in terms of, um, you know, paying 30 million for another keeper, absolutely pointless in my eyes. Um, yeah, I think one thing is Klopp's, one thing Klopp's been very good with since he came, he's been patient. Now, say for example, a year ago, when we couldn't land Van Dyke in the, the at the end of the summer transfer window, absolutely everybody was imploring the club to go and sign a centre back. Anybody will do. I I wasn't. I'm proud to say I was one of the very few people who was just like, why, why would why would we sign somebody who's not going to pre- he's not going to push us on, he's not going to develop us. Just for the sake of spending money. Now, back then, say for example, we didn't buy Van Dyke and we bought, I don't know, someone like Rudiger, for example. Good player, nothing wrong with him. But would we have got to a Champions League final with Rudiger in the back line over Van Dyke? And would we have been able to afford Van Dyke if we'd have spent maybe 30 odd million on the centre back in the summer? You know, maybe not. So, there's no way we should replace carriers for replacing sake. I think that's one thing we've done over the past in terms of goalkeepers we haven't we just haven't really went big when in reality if you do so you can it's it's one of the very few positions you can get sorted for the next 10 years if you get it right so I'd go big or not at all that, that's my view 
Yeah, I can only echo that. I mean, I did a uh, poll on Twitter um, that obviously got, it got retweeted by uh, the AI main account and stuff like that. Basically, I was asking if we couldn't get one of the world-class goalkeepers, Alisson or Oblak, um, would you rather stick with Carrius or get Jack Butland, who's obviously the only other goalkeeper I can think of that we've been linked with? Um, any other names, um, feel free to mention them. Um, currently on 2,298 votes, whilst we're recording this, it is currently 69% to Carrius and 31% to Butland. The comments aren't exactly um, positive for for Carrius. People saying uh, Butland... Uh, not Butland, people saying promote Danny Ward, uh, jokingly saying Bogdan and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and people saying that he's basically wa- is a waste of a, a jersey and stuff like that. But if, if the poll result is anything, I mean, people seem to a- a- agree with what we've been saying here, is that it has to be an upgrade on carries. Maybe if he is broken goods and we can't get one of the two World Cup goalkeepers fair enough maybe go for a sideways step if we have to go for a sideways step we have to but if not you have to upgrade him um but butland seemingly isn't the answer in the fans point of view i know it's only two thousand odd people so it's not it's not obviously widespread and stuff like that but as a small sample size i mean carrius has a certain level of trust in my eyes with the fan base a little bit if we're going to get Butland, he's obviously been linked. Uh, I think Graham Kelly and stuff like that. I've said he, he's still likely to be our be our goalkeeper. And I, I retweeted Bucky odds as well, where he was he was still favourite to sign for us. Um, but yeah, I, I can only echo what you have been saying. Carrius, for me, since January or since whenever he got in 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 the Premier League, there, there hasn't been that many goalkeepers who've been better than him. Um, De Gea, obviously, different different level altogether. Nick Pope had a very good season for Burnley, but outside of that, Carrius has been as good, or if not better, than most of them. I mean, people obviously wank over Edison slightly, but all he does is kick a ball. <laughs> the one game I've seen him have he to kicks make it well, though. Yeah, but the one game I've seen him have, actually have to do anything was against us, and he was terrible. <laughs> um but yeah, it, it, it's so weird. I mean, even even Courtois had a had a poor season by his standards. Loris seems to be falling off a cliff. Petr Cech is just a shadow of what he was um, back in his early Chelsea days. So, out, outside of the the two I mentioned in Pope and De Gea, Carrius has been one of the best keepers in the league for me. So, I think it's a tougher job than people think to replace Carrius. I mean, hopefully. He's confident enough in in his in his own ability to recover from it, even if we are replacing him, because we've seen the importance of having a number two when Minulay was our number one. It was it was Carrius pushing him firstly, where Minulay had that spike in form that got us top four last season, um, and obviously Carrius was an upgrade when he was needed. Um, so yeah, it has to be an upgrade for me. And as you said, Josh, if we're willing to spend eighty. 90 million on a goalkeeper it's I think it's just down to competition um, whether we get Alisson or Oblak I mean Oblak's got a release clause and I don't think Alisson does but he's been linked with Real Madrid so if if them two go elsewhere or sign new contracts or whatever Carries would still be the answer for me I know he has to regain the trust of the fan base I mean we saw after the Europa League final Moreno's still hampered by that now Lovren uh, hampered by it now um, it's it, it it's it's tough to re uh to regain the trust. Sorry, who, who was going to speak there? 
Yeah, I was just, I was just going to say, um, if, if we hadn't played that Champions League final and we started our first mm-hmm. game of next season with Carriers as our number one and Butland as our number two, I wouldn't have had that much of a problem with it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Because although I had such... Although I was so critical on Carriers when he first came back in, as I said, I have been impressed with his consistency. I have been impressed with him. Um, I mean, he still makes the odd mistake, but that, with confidence and with on over time, goalkeepers tend to to get rid of that kind of thing. You know, the, the shakiness tends to just kind of fade away. Um, and as I said, if we did start next season with Carriers as our number one and Butland as our number two, I wouldn't have overly had a problem with it. But after after that final, and I'm not usually this reactionary because mm-hmm. technically it is it is just one game and it can happen at the end of the day but with it being such a huge event and two mistakes in the same game and single-handedly costing us the game because without that it technically finishes one all it's just you you have to question whether you can get over that and you have to question whether let's say for example next season we reach another Champions League final, hopefully. Let's say that that happens. If Carrier starts that, you know, God help him in terms of the kind of preview around it and the build-up surrounding yeah. it. The spotlight on him will be yeah, unbearable. And, and, you know, it, it, when that kind of thing is the case, you're then more likely to make a mistake. And, you know, you only Klopp will know the mental state that mm. he's in. And whether he can, he can still do it. But, um, it's just, it's really, it's, it's a tough one on him because it, it is one game and, but to, to the magnitude of it, you have to question whether he can, it's, it's, it's a bit like, um, at the end of the season when Rogers got beat 6-1 by Stoke. Yeah. He maybe, he maybe could have dragged it on then before that game until the next season and got maybe a bit of another shot at it. But when you when there's such a a huge defeat like that, mm-hmm. and the players know what they're dealing with in terms of Rodgers and in terms of carriers, you know, you, there's a real lack of trust there now, and um, it's very difficult to overcome. Yeah, yeah, some great points there. I mean, it, it may it may come down to the mo- the much um, discussed John Achterberg as well. Um, he's, he'll be the one who works personally with Carrius day to day, so he, he may have to judge his uh, temperament, his mental state, and all that. So it'll, it'll be an interesting summer. I think no, nobody nobody's going to be crying for Carrius if we get Oblak or or Allison. Let's be honest. But if we if we start next season with a Jack Butland or whatever, people may have certain question marks. But um, it'll be an interesting summer in that in that uh, part of the part of the game, um, a part of the field. Um, but we'll, we'll move on to the rest of the final. I mean, our positive moment came uh, Lovren with a towering header off our one corner of the game. <laughs> that was a good delivery. Uh, and then Mane just ta- just poking it home past Navas. Um, I-, I was in such a state of shock. I was just expecting it to to snowball from one nil to two nil to three nil, and then we get a set piece <laughs> goal. It was it was big Samus. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I I exploded. Uh, I just went absolutely wild and crazy in the living room. Um, the kids were looking at me like they always do when Liverpool score. He's lost the plot again, hasn't he? 
So, um, <laughs> you know, I get, they just look at me like, yeah, our dad's mad. So um, I, I, w- I waited yeah. until I thought it was offside at first, and then I was like, give it a few seconds, and then he looked over, and nothing was given. And then I started yeah. screaming, and then my dad said, shut up, you dick. <laughs> 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 yeah, but a happy dick at that. So, um, yeah, um, it, the belief was back instantly. Instantly, the belief was back. Yeah, we're back in this now. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna take this momentum and move forward. Um, I know some people don't like the word momentum, but we should have. We, you know, that was our, that was our moment. That was our chance to, you know, really get back in onto Real Madrid and, uh, you know, show them what we were about, but we just didn't have the energy, did we? Um, I think the legs went after that. Mm. So, uh, you know, but then, you know, Mane was still a threat. Mane was still an option for us. He, he was, I think he was trying to novel Ramos, wasn't he? He, he, he was, uh, he was having a few little nibbles at him and, um, it's a shame he didn't. Um, we'll do what Dave Hendricks had to pay some Saudi Arabian to two foot him in the fight in the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay, yeah, I'm sure the uh, the Egyptians can arrange that for us. So, uh, <laughs> or or who you know, or is it the uh, Indonesians who are doing a a protest out the uh, outside the Spanish embassy oh, tomorrow? God, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, there's some silly people out there in this world, unfortunately. But going back to it, yeah, the goal was magnificent. Um, it, 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 it was the one corner that Milner flighted over to the to the back of the, back of the six yard box, and Lovren did really well because he 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 did a clever little run and movement to get away from any markers and to be able to attack that the ball and he headed it really well back into a dangerous area. You know, it, it was. You've got to give Lovren's his due. Though you know, a lot of other players might have tried to actually head to score, but he knew he wasn't in a position to score, and he put it in a dangerous area. And and if you look at Marnay's run, he's anticipated that as well, because he's come from a mm. two three yards further back, and he's coming up to it, and he's timed his run perfectly. So you know, like you, I did sort of I, when he was looking round, when he was celebrating to see if he was being flagged for offside. My heart did stop for a moment then. So, um, but no, it was, it was, it was our best moment of the game, obviously. Um, and one that we should, you know, we should treasure in a way. We should enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. And Josh, just your reaction at the goal. I mean, uh, our stories have been mental. What was your reaction to it? Yeah, I went in absolutely insane. Uh, I watched it in a, a, a warehouse in Liverpool called Camp and Fairness. Um, any scouts tuning in will, will know what I'm talking about. It was just a, a room packed full of psychos at the time. Um, <laughs> I got, I, I got absolutely soaked, covered in ale. Um, and it was just a mess. But, um, as you say, that the belief immediately came back. Um, and you somehow, as you said, looking back at the team, you just thought we were out of it. And when Salah went off, there was just a real lack of belief in it. I, I remember saying to me, mate, at half time, I feel like we're 1-0 down, even though we weren't. And I also said, I feel like we've got 10 men. Because it, it was it was such a gut-wrenching moment when Salah left the field. 
But when Mane got got the goal back, you just you, you believe that somehow we were going to do it. I don't know how. It was a bit like AC Milan. Somehow we were just going to find a way. But for, for the four goals in the match to come from a Liverpool set piece, an overhead kick, and two goalkeeping blunders, you just you couldn't possibly have predicted that. It was just one of them games where. where it was just a bit of a mad final and unfortunately the luck weren't with us. And um, in terms of Lovren as well, obviously he does very well to, to contribute to the goal, but I think that that epitomised possibly our two best players on the night in terms of Lovren and Mane. I think they were two players that really turned up, really put in the shift. And I think if the rest of the team put in the performance to their own capabilities of what Mane and Lovren did, we arguably would have won the game. But um, you know, it was it was a great moment to get back in the game. As you say, belief came back into it, but you know, sadly it wasn't to be. I think the whole back four was really good, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think yeah, it was lovely. Totally I think Van Dyke. I think Van Dyke uh, was his usual self, and, and I think Robbo and Trent were excellent. I don't think they really put a foot wrong. They they were pretty much pinned, not pinned back, but let's be honest. Did Real Madrid actually outplay us? Not really. I mean, I think we discussed this on on WhatsApp as well. Their chances seem to come from missed presses, lost fifty fifties. I mean, I think Robbo had had a good game overall. I thought first half he was he was pressing out when he shouldn't. Uh, he, he lost a couple fifty fifties, as I said, and the chances seem to come from there. But they didn't really create any chances other than Carrius being a bit of a div. Um, but yeah, I mean. What- one of the things I tweeted, the, in fact, the first thing I tweeted after the game, the next day when everyone's given the reaction and stuff, the first thing I said was, it's not often that you remain defensively sound for 90 minutes and still concede three. Mm. It just wasn't, it just wasn't our night. And if you, if you're looking at the XG for the game, we get into all that. You know, even so, after, after, after the way the game panned out, we still finished with a better XG than, uh, Real Madrid did. That's if you're going by um eleven seven elevens. Yeah. We finished by we finished with two point one two as opposed to well we did one point six three. And up until the point where Salah got injured, we were just under one point five XG. They they were honestly about not one two, I think it was. Yeah, it was something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um so it just one of them games, as I keep saying, it was just the, the luck went with us. It wasn't meant to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we used our luck up in Istanbul. Didn't we? Uh, that, that's the only reason. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, unfortunately, we we are going to have to talk about the bail goal. I mean, we're, we're, near, we're near in an hour now. I think so. We'll, we'll finish up soon. Uh, but Cam, I mean, uh, as Josh said, we lost to two mistakes and a, and a wonder goal. I mean, wonder goal's not doing this justice. It was, it was, not it at was all, simply no. disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it was filthy. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was goal worthy of winning any football match. And it was a, a goal definitely worthy of winning the Champions League final. Um, you know, it, it was one of those goals where it should, the game should have just been stopped there and then and said, here's the trophy. Well done. Thank you. And everybody go home. It, 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 it was just a magnificent goal. I mean, the, the, the dip he gets on it because there's a, there's a point where the ball is actually above the bar 
if you watch the trajectory of the ball, yeah, from yeah. when he his foot. So to to how he's done it, I mean, you, you know, you you I don't know how he's done it, you know, but he's done it, and it's it was magnificent, you know, um, and you know you it, and that's that's what you get when you've got a ninety million pound player you can come off the bench, and he is a world class player, and he's a game changer, and that changed the game. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the difference. Obviously, we mentioned it in the injury. They they brought on. Uh, I think they brought on Teo Hernandez, Kovacic, Asensio, Bale. Uh, that they could bring on. Um, and we brought on a unmatched fit Adam Lallana, a, a pretty much not fit at all Emre Chan. And I don't even think we brought on another substitute because um, we could, we just simply couldn't. And our most attacking player was probably our backup left back, and <laughs> Solanke's a kid who's only scored one goal. I mean, it, we. I think it just. I think it just summarises the game that the fact that we probably shouldn't be in the final to begin <laughs> with. Um, it, it. It's just. It was just a mad. It's just a mad journey, and that that game. It's just. So, it's just unfortunate how how we lost. Um, but if we, if we beat Real Madrid. It, it would have been a miracle to begin with, but before Salah went off, we we were the better team by by a bloody big big distance, so uh, a big margin. So it, it, it's just about what ifs, really. But um, we'll we'll finish up on what came after the Champions League. Um, Josh, I'm not sure how much you've watched of Monaco, um, but we've signed Fabinho or Fabinho, how you pronounce it. We'll we'll learn when people start getting pissed off, like for me, <laughs> people pronounce Fabinho's name wrong. But um, Fabinho signing, your reaction to it, Josh? Uh, surprised, very surprised, as most people were. It came out of nowhere. Um, I think if I'm being honest, it's an MA jam replacement. I don't, I think if Jan was, I think if Jan was staying, I don't think we would have signed him, if I'm honest. I think although we're after a DM, and it's widely reported that our number one target for the summer was Jorginho. If that's true, Fabinho's not unlike Jorginho. Fabinho's much more like Emre Jan mm. in terms of being a midfield battler. You know, he's big, he's strong, he can, he can slot in and as a fullback if he wants. Probably play as a centre back. Maybe it means he's um, not done in midfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he can, he can play as that defensive midfielder. He can play as a box to box if he wants. So he's just he, he's very much an MA Chan replacement for me, but he's an upgrade in my opinion on Chan. I think I've done. I remember doing a pod a couple of months back on the, it was the the big MA Chan pod, but mm. pod, and he was about he was about four of us on it. Yeah, I view on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I remember my view on Chan. It uh, hasn't really changed since the start that he's not more than a good player. And I think that him leaving, obviously forcing us to buy a midfielder, more in Klopp's image, is secretly a bit of a godsend. And I think Fabinho is much more suited to our game than M.A. Chan is. And I think M.A. Chan's much more suited to Juventus' style of play than, than he is ours. So, Hopefully it'll work out well. I think we've got a good, a good price in terms of how often I've watched them. This season, Monaco have been a bit flat in terms of, you know, the league campaign and even the likes of Thomas Lamar have, have struggled to shine this season, obviously, which is natural because 
of how many say it, how many players they've sold. But when he did uh, go far in the Champions League and the the one League One, I did watch a fair bit of him and I was impressed. Mm. Um, he used to play in that double pivot with Bakayoko, and if he can make a double pivot work with Bakayoko, then he's some player. Um, <laughs> and, so if he's alongside Navi, he catered in the double pivot, or if he's alongside maybe. Keita and Fakir, or Keita and uh, Chamberlain, or something like that. You know, we've got one hell of a midfield there developing, so I'm happy with it. I've got no complaints whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm I'm probably one of Chan's biggest fans, uh, apart from Tom Holmes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think for being, I, I mean, I love Emery Chan. I mean, I, I, if if he signed a contract tomorrow, I'd be fucking dancing in the street. Um, but Fabinho seemingly is a better fit for what we need, and if, I think I read a, a Mirror article um, the other day, it might have been by Dave Maddock, it said, Chan sees himself as a number six, whereas Klopp saw him as the, that marauding number eight, whereas Klopp bought Fabinho to be the DM. Um, so maybe Cater is positionally more Chan's replacement, but Fabinho is his squad replacement, if you kind of get what I'm meaning. Um, so basically... If if you tra- if we're trading for Bino and Cater for say Henderson and Chan, I mean I'm, I'm taking option number one there, regardless of how much I love Emery Chan. Um, but Cam, your reaction to it? I mean, it, it came out of bloody nowhere, didn't it? Came out of nowhere, and um, I thought Klopp didn't play DMs. That was always the the chat. He doesn't play with DMs. Why would he play with DM? He wants a a, a DLP, a ball playing uh, number six. So for Klopp to Finally sign Mascarano's replacement. That's fucking huge. Um, can't say I know anything about the player because I don't watch European football. Uh, I'll be honest. You know, I I only tend to watch Liverpool and the odd other Premier League game. So um, I'm just really pleased. Uh, I think it's been a problem position since Mascarano's not been in the team. Yeah, it will provide much needed cover. For our much maligned defence, um, he's a he's a tall lad as well, so he's going to help uh, strengthen us even more on the set pieces at uh, both ends of the field. Um, what else can I say? Um, I think it will also <laughs> possibly mean. <laughs> I think it will also possibly mean we don't sign a centre back, mm. um, which will be interesting because. Personally, I would like to see a sign of centre-back. I don't think, um, as as well as Lovren has played in patches, he's also been poor in patches as well. Um, and if, if I think recently, as just going back to the West Bromwich Albion game, where he had a shocker when he came on for mm. those 10-15 minutes, and you know he was he had a hand in the two goals conceded against us, as well as he's played in the Champions League. He's still having poor Premier League games, and I want to see his challenge for the Premier League as much as we are suited and better for the Champions League. And with Lovren, I just think week in, week out, he's going to lose it more. So I would like to see a sign a centre back, but I think with signing for Beanie, we we strengthened that area anyway. So that will probably give Lovren a stay of execution for now. And we'll, um, if we then can use that money, maybe that we would have spent on a centre back, maybe to put towards signing. Personally, I'd want Old Black over Allison. I think he's the much better keeper. I don't think they're too dissimilar in, in price. 
So, mm. I, you know, I think the the figures show that he's he's a much better keeper, and he, he is the best that would be available out there. So why not go for the best if you can? So, I think the Fabinho signing is fantastic. I think it's a, it's been a, like I say it's been a problem position for us for many many years. It will allow Kai to to really express himself. Um, if um, there's a lot of rumours, you know that you know Fakir is a uh, is on our radar and we're looking at him, and I think we'll go to more of a four-two-three-one mm. if we get Fakir in as well. If he was to play, wanted to play everybody, and that would then be Bobby up top, Mane and Salary the side of Fakir with uh, the double pivot of um, Fabinho and uh, the Kaita. I think we're going to shit the life out of um, Premier League defences next season. Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely mouth-watering stuff. But before I finish up, has anyone got anything um, to add? Yeah, not for me, no. No. Um, so, right, I'll finish up. Uh, plugs. Um, Josh, you got anything writing-wise? Uh, the most recent writing thing I, I put together was um, a bit of a tactical preview on the Champions League final. Obviously, that, that, was, only, that was only relevant. <laughs> well, that, well, it was only relevant for half an hour of the game. So yeah. that was a bit of a pointless write up. Um, I mean, I'll pl- I can plug in Twitter. Obviously, I'm very active on that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I can post, I can post analysis things and opinions and stuff. So if you want to get me on Twitter, it's at distance covered. Um, so yeah, I provide some uh, value to, the, to your feeds on that, hopefully. Yeah, very, very good followers, Josh. Uh, I'd, I'd recommend following. Um, Cam, do you want to give your Twitter out? And uh, you got any main pods coming up? I'll be in the background. Anyway. We've, we've <laughs> yeah, random, well, random uh, that's a that, that's a random comment producer guy. Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't be the main pod with that, yeah. So yeah, you can find me on the main pod. Um, I think we're struggling to get one done this week. Um, just trying to get everyone together at the same time is proving to be a little bit problematic. Um, we might get it done. We might not. But I'm, I'm sure there definitely be one next week. Don't follow me on Twitter, people. I'm just a twat out there. So, um, but yeah, if you want to, if you really do want to follow me, you can find me at, at cam underscore branch. So, uh, that's brain with an eye in the middle. Um, yeah, well, brain normally does have an eye in the middle, doesn't it? There you go. I'm losing it myself here. So, um, but, uh, yeah, So, uh, yeah, you can find me on there and I, and I, I, I chat nonsense like I do on here, really. So it's all good fun. As he said, he's a twat. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, lo- I love you, Cal. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> um, but thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks for joining me, you too. Goodbye, everybody. Podcast Network.